Hello from Ellensburg, Washington, USA. This is the Nick Zentner Geology Podcast, episode 104, Ginkgo Flow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Radio voice. Whatever, man. It's been two months. It's March 1st of 2023, and the last time I did one of these with you here in this format was New Year's Eve. So it's been a while, and I hope everything's going well with you, wherever you happen to be listening uh, to this. There's plenty that we could talk about here today, since it has been two months, and there has been plenty going on here in Ellensburg. It's early on a Wednesday morning, and uh, I don't know, I I think I want to clear my head of one particular topic that I've been thinking about recently, and that will allow me then to transition to what will be on my mind for much of March. I think that's what we're going to do. So before we get into the topic of today's episode, it is a singular event. It's a single eruption of lava 16.1 million years ago, the Ginkgo lava flow, and why I've been thinking about the Ginkgo Uh, A couple preambles. Why have I been gone for two months? Well, I think you know the answer to that if you've been a regular listener uh, over the last few months or maybe years. I've been busy with a YouTube live stream series, and I think uh, the last episode uh, right at the end of the, right right at the New Year's time, uh, I think as I was kind of ending that episode, I said, well, I probably won't see you till, you know, uh, end of February. And it turns out, yeah, here we are, end of February, early March. That's just the way my brain operates. I like to lock into something, and I like to have momentum, and I like to just keep rolling with that particular uh, project, for lack of a better term. And so the, the project was... Uh, working my way through 26 episodes of this thing called Baja BCA to Z. I don't know. Did you see any of those? Um, as soon as I'm done with this episode talking about the ginkgo flow, um, I do want to, I don't know, maybe I'll do a couple more of these in the next week because I do want to kind of work through with you um, some ideas that bubble up involving the second half of the alphabet, and there's a purpose for that. The purpose for that is, uh, at the end of this month, at the end of March, I'm going to do four live lectures in four nights. Boom, 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 boom. Four lectures in a row in late March here in downtown Ellensburg. And I'm a little bit worried about having uh, too many people show up. I know that sounds like I'm full of myself. Uh, Possibly I am. Uh, But there's 700 seats in this auditorium, and I think I'm going to advertise it or talk about it or let people know about it, um, those those four lectures, on my YouTube channel and here, and really no place else. I don't think I'll use social media or anything like that. And, you know, if we have, you know, 500 or a little bit more, that would be just perfect, I think. I wouldn't have to worry about people getting turned away. So if you're interested in coming to Ellensburg, in late March, uh, the dates are Wednesday, March 29th, 2023, the next night, the 30th, the next night, March 31st, and then the final night is Saturday, April 1st, April Fool's Day, 7 p.m. 
the Morgan Auditorium on First Street. It's basically Morgan Middle School, but there's a beautiful old restored auditorium that seats 700. There's a main floor and there's a balcony. It's free. It's open to anybody who wants to come. And uh, I don't know. We'll just see who shows up. And yeah, the audiences have been large uh, on YouTube and live, but of course that's people from around the world. And this is different. This is people you know, literally you know, traveling to Ellensburg, or, you know, I suppose there'll be a few local folks, people from the neighborhood or whatever, who will be there as well. So I mentioned that as a preamble because those four lectures are going to be somehow uh, taking all this exotic terrain stuff that I've learned mostly this past winter, but I think a couple... Uh, Basically, what I've learned about exotic terrains over the last three years, and it's been a deep dive into that world, and I've gone through three alphabets, <laughs> so, you know, three times 26, whatever that is, and and uh, I'm going to try to boil all that down to four lectures, and I thought initially they would be four Mount Stewart lectures, but I'm getting off of that because I realized that you know, quite often on YouTube, these will be filmed and they'll be they'll be put on YouTube in, in April, those downtown lectures. I think people watch them, you know, independently and they wouldn't exactly see all four lectures. So I think it would be dumb to tie the four lectures together. So I guess I'm going to come up with four separate titles, all of them related to exotic terrains, but I need to workshop that with you. And I might even be asking for some feedback from you, listener here. So that's coming, I don't know, later this week, something like that. But today, again, to clear my head of thinking about this, and I'll give you the context for this right now, I'd like to talk about the Ginkgo Lava Flow. Well, that's not exotic terrain. That's, that's, that's not, you know, 100 million years ago or 170 million years ago or 96 million-year-old Pluton or something like that. This Ginkgo Lava Flow... Good news, everybody. We've arrived at the topic at uh, six minutes into the program. It's nice that you're with us, by the way. Thank you. I, I'm always very careful to thank the, the YouTube viewers who are live, but I don't know. Do I thank you that often being here? It's really nice. It's re out, out of all these formats that I'm kind of sharing geology, this is the one that's the most mysterious to me on purpose. I never really look up how many people are listening or who you are or where you're listening from. I've said that a few times over the years, but I, I still like doing it. Um, and for some of you, this is your only inter intersection with, with my world. So anyway, thank you for being here and listening. Okay. Why the ginkgo flow? Why do I want to talk about it since I haven't been making any programs on Columbia River basalt lavas? in quite some time. I promise I'll get to the details of the geology, but here's a little preamble to that. Uh, I don't know if you follow the news, but uh, there was a worldwide pandemic, a global lockdown, starting in March of 2020. And like many things, uh, certain projects came to an end. And the PBS television show, Nick on the Rocks, 
these little five-minute episodes that were glossy and highly produced, that came to an end uh, for obvious reasons. Just wasn't safe to go out there in the field, uh, couldn't get a vehicle. I could go on forever there, but the, the, the main message is the two key people that made those programs with me here at CWU, I'm talking about Nick on the Rocks, PBS TV program. Maybe you've seen a couple of them. Uh, those two folks are no longer working at the university. They both retired. Chris Smart, the videographer, retired. He's a neighbor. I just had lunch with him yesterday. Got caught up with what's going on with him, but he retired from Central. And Linda Shockler, the executive producer, the woman who was in the, Chris's boss, essentially, and the head of public affairs for quite some time, and then CWU's chief of staff, Linda Shockler, she retired. And, you know, by the way, a lot of my, you know, I'm 60 years old now, so a lot of the people that I had a long history with at, at the college are no longer working there. So that's just the life of an old person, I guess. So you have memories of all these friends and acquaintances, co-workers walking around on campus, and there's not as many of them walking around anymore for, for reasons that make sense if you have retired recently or something like that. Okay, so that's the main answer, that those two folks retired, so the, the program stopped. And you know nobody from KCTS, which is the Seattle PBS, and really nobody from Oregon Public Broadcasting or Idaho Public Broadcasting or whatever Linda set up to have these episodes broadcast across the Pacific Northwest and all the PBS stations up in Canada as well. I don't think anybody really noticed for a while. But more recently, uh, that has become an interest, like hearing from these PBS stations. Like, what's going on? Like, this is a popular show. Are you making more of them? And they couldn't even really figure out who to ask the question to because Linda's gone and Chris is gone. And I'm doing my own thing with YouTube, you know, so I'm not, you know, in the world of, of PBS and TV broadcasting either. Okay, well, in the last year, I intersected with a guy named Brandon, who is a videographer for Oregon Public Broadcasting. And during the pandemic, Brandon, just like some of you, uh, found the YouTube lectures and was starting to watch some of those downtown lectures. And I didn't hear from him, but um, apparently he was watching some of those and enjoying those. And he said he didn't know much about geology. But I saw something posted uh, about Native Americans down at Celilo Falls, a little video, an Oregon field guide video uh, done a few years ago, and I was very impressed with it. And I can't remember what form it was, Facebook, or I don't know what it was, but I, I made a little comment on the bottom, and I said, wow, I'm impressed, great job, whoever made this, this video on Celilo Falls, and uh, who can I contact about making the program? because I continue to have an interest in Native American history and intersection with geology here in the Pacific Northwest. Well, immediately, I got a reply to my little comment. God, was it? I guess it was Facebook. By this guy, Brandon. And he said, well, I didn't make the program, but I am a videographer at Oregon Public Broadcasting, and uh, I really enjoy what you're doing up there, Nick. 
And so one thing led to another. I started dealing with Brandon, and then Brandon, who's I, I has a young family. I'm guessing he's in his 30s. Uh, Brandon talked to his bosses and said, oh, this Nick on the Rocks thing isn't happening anymore. Uh, can we have Nick uh, be part of Oregon Field Guide somehow? And so I am making a program on the Ginkgo Flow for the Oregon Field Guide. I guess just one episode. Just I'm just a little like one-time guest, just kind of working with Brandon out in the field and his producer, Jewel. J-U-L-E. So Jewel and Brandon are the people that I'm going to be filming with the second week of March. Uh, but to get to that point, uh, Brandon's boss, Ed at Oregon Public Broadcasting, uh, had a meeting with me, a little Zoom meeting, you know, and he's sitting in his backyard, and I'm sitting in my backyard, and Ed had watched a little bit of what, what's been going on up here, but I don't think he was as familiar as Brandon. And anyway, it was almost like a job interview. At some point, uh, Ed kind of said, well, Nick, can you just, if we did something with you, talking about Oregon Field Guide, if we did something with you, what, what episode could you come up with? And he wanted me to do it on the spot, you know. And I said, well, does it have to be Oregon? I don't know Oregon as well as Washington. He's like, oh, I don't know. You know, it could be Washington. could be Oregon. Like, it would be ideal if it was something that involved Oregon and Washington. And without thinking about it more than 30 seconds, I said, well, okay, well, here's the show. I don't know if you'd be up for it, Ed, but there's this lava flow in central Washington known as the Ginkgo Lava Flow. And it's one of the first lava flows I learned about when I moved to Ellensburg in 1992 because there are huge petrified logs that are in the base of the lava. Ed, in, I repeat, in the base of the lava are these logs. And some of the trees that died 16.1 million years ago were a very rare kind of tree called the ginkgo tree. So, Ed, I wouldn't want to make a show about the, the logs because that's been done, I think, at least up here. But I don't think anybody has made an episode on the path or the journey of the ginkgo flow, where it came out of the ground, how it flowed west, and how it made it to the Oregon coast and dumped into the Pacific Ocean. And Ed said, oh, I'm in already. I, I don't even know. I'm going to stop you right here. I can't believe Does everybody in geology know about this? It's like, I've never heard about this, says Ed, who lives in Portland, I guess. I said, well, you know, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that many people even in geology know about it, but there's a few that do. And if you know these layers of lava you know that some of them made it from uh, essentially the deserts of eastern Washington to the coast of western Washington and western Oregon. And so I'll, I'll finish my part of the story with Oregon Public Broadcasting. By the, end, by the time we hung up the phone or the Zoom call, Ed's like, yeah, I think we should do this. Wow, I'm really impressed. Like, okay, we should do it. And then you know, months go by, and I hear from Jewel over the winter time, who's the producer, and she said, well, let's carve out some time, and Brandon has 
uh, a week free in second week of March of 2023. Can we arrange that? And I'm like, oh, that would work for me too. Like I'll be done with this YouTube series and I won't be uh, ramped up for another YouTube project uh, on my own. So sure, let's pick it. So the reason I'm sharing with you, everybody, and I'm going to continue now with the Ginkgo Flow details to whet your appetite for the episode, which will appear God knows when, <laughs> years from now, I don't know. Uh, but I've been scouting field locations, filming locations for that episode, and I've learned some new things about the ginkgo flow, and it's been fun, and I want to share it with you so I can move on to thinking about these downtown lectures. Okay, so what did I know? I'm done talking about Ed now and Brandon and Jewel. I'm going to spend the second half of this radio episode just talking about what I've known and what I, what I did not know until two weeks ago involving the ginkgo flow. Okay, well, let's involve everybody. In eastern, in the inland of the Pacific Northwest, there are 300 lava flows, basaltic lava flows stacked one on top of another, the Columbia River Basalt Group. And the first eruptions down at the bottom of the stack were about 16.8 million years ago, and the youngest lavas are, you know, basically 10 million years ago. So it's uh, but most of the lava came out of the ground in a, you know, about a million years worth of time. And we now realize that that wasn't an accident, that the Yellowstone mantle plume was in the neighborhood, uh, I'll just say 16, 16 million years ago. And North America has continued to drift over the stationary Yellowstone mantle plume. And so that heat source is now in Wyoming. But the heat source used to be much closer to of the Pacific Northwest. Okay, well, so there's 300 of these lavas uh, that I often refer to as the German chocolate cake. Big German chocolate cake, brown layers, one on top of another. The layer at the bottom of the cake is the oldest. The layer at the top is the youngest. Okay, good. But it's not really a German chocolate cake in the sense that each layer in the cake traveled different distances. So the oldest layers in the German chocolate cake, the Imnaha flows and the uh, Steens flows, they didn't travel very far. And uh, that's because the topography was rough. And then we get to the Grand Ronde time, uh, which was the massive flood basalts that did come out of cracks in, east, in inland, I'll just say, I don't want to say eastern Washington anymore because we're talking about eastern Oregon as well. So I'll just say inland Pacific Northwest, inland PNW, how about that? So we now have found these cracks, fissures, and each crack is responsible for its own flow. And if you keep doing this, and we did 300 times, then many of those oldest cracks are completely gone. They're completely buried. There's no exposure of them. So for many of the lavas in the cake, we don't know details of the fissure, of the crack, of the source of the lava. But by the time we get up to the ginkgo flow, and the best date I have is 16.1 million years ago. Now, if you're a geology fan and you know about the dates, you're like, well, that's wrong. That's not what I, I think it's 15.6 or whatever. Well, I'm using the most recent dating that's been done by Jennifer Kasbaum at Princeton. And she's uh, has done some detailed uh, uranium-lead zircon dating. 
And so I think my date is the most accurate and the most current and maybe not out there, you know, on somebody's Wikipedia page. So Ginkgo Flow 16.1. I don't We'll see what the producers want. Maybe they don't want to be that careful about it, but I will be that careful here today. So the Ginkgo Flow is happening at the end of the main phase of the eruptions. So most of the cake has been built. The Grand Ronde Lavas have done their thing and have created a relatively flat landscape, I think. The Cascades at the time, 16 million years ago, are relatively low, and the Columbia River Valley, which today is a Columbia River Gorge, if you drive from Tri-Cities, Washington to Portland, Oregon, and you follow the Columbia River Gorge, you know what I'm talking about? Interstate 82, sorry, Interstate 84, and you're going, you know, Biggs Junction, and you're driving west on the Oregon side, you're on the south side of the Columbia River, if you're listening from France, you're lost now, but that's okay, just let me talk to the locals here for a sec. So you drive Biggs, the Dalles, Hood River, Cascade Locks, Troutdale, Portland, right? That's the Columbia River path. That's the Columbia River Gorge. Multnomah Falls is on your left on the south. We have a son in Portland. We have another one in Eugene. So we do that drive a fair amount. It's a beautiful drive. But that's a narrow, deep gorge. If we're back 16 million years ago, the Cascades are lower. The Columbia River Valley is uh, about 30 miles wide. And there's kind of a broad, open floodplain. It's not a deep, incised gorge. That happens much later geologically. So that's our concept, that we have a lower topographic barrier known as the Cascades. And because of that, we have wide, broad valleys. I think the one that's, that the Columbia sits in is still the, the biggest, but there's other ways to cross these lower cascades 16 million years ago. I'll give you the evidence for that right now because this is the ginkgo flow that we're talking about. All right, pop quiz. Do you know where the ginkgo lava flow, which erupted out of the ground in eastern Washington is most famously exposed at today. Terrible grammar. It's at the coast somewhere. And you're like, oh, well, I guess Astoria, that's where the Columbia goes today. Oh, this is interesting. Maybe I'll put this in the script. Yeah, if you guessed where the, if you, if, okay, I'm ahead of myself a little bit. Hang with me if you don't mind. Okay, a quick aside. I have I have tried to find ways to have these radio episodes be different than what I do on YouTube. And and that's because I guess without thinking about it too much, I assume that many of you are regular viewers of what I do on YouTube. And so I I I don't want to just say the same stuff here. I don't, I don't want this just to, you know, hell, I could just take all these YouTube uh, episodes and just grab the audio and post them here and call it good. But I, I want this to be different somehow. For me, I want it to be fun, just to- totally different, and, and for you as well, if you happen to watch both the video and the YouTube, uh, the, both the video and the, the audio stuff here. So I guess what my little aside is, um, I'm a little bit more... Uh, I don't know. 
workshoppy or open-ended or um, trying out new things here. And if, if I like them and sharing them with you, and especially if I hear from a few of you and you're like, oh, man, I, I like that direction you were going there. Whatever happened to that? You never followed through on that with video. That's kind of what I, I kind of like doing here. I hope you don't mind. And if you do mind, I guess you don't have to listen to these, and they're all free anyway, right? So, you know, there's there's no harm, I don't think, except wasting your time, but hopefully you get something out of these. All right, well, what, what got me going there? Well, I guess I'm, I'm still kind of thinking about what I might want to say when we do some filming in a couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to be filming at the Oregon coast. Okay, where? Well, this brings up another story. Uh, I've gone to a fair number of weddings over the years, and they are weddings of students, former students, especially if they met each other in a geology field course I used to teach. <laughs> it was almost a matchmaking service that we would do. We would take 25 geology majors from CWU, and we'd go down to the uh, Owens Valley of California and spend two weeks down there, and we would live together and... Um, you know, all our meals are together. We're working hard. We got office every night. And, and if you've done anything like that, whether it's in geology or something else, you know that you bond a group pretty well. Well, part of my job as a instructor was to assign mapping partners. And I must say, the Jewish and mother and me in, uh, said, well, it'd be fun to, you know, assign this person to this person. Make little couples out there. Well, some of them got married, for goodness sake. So I went to a, <laughs> so I went to a wedding, uh, must be 20 years ago now, maybe more, in Newport, Oregon. And it was a, a wedding at the beach. Caleb, who was one of the guests uh, last winter on the, uh, in the Crazy Eocene series. That he's, he works in, Mon in Montana now as a geologist. And he was... Uh, um, Okay, don't have to go into that. Okay, so I went to Caleb's wedding, Caleb and Nicole, and they got married on the beach in Newport, but I got there early. I don't remember the details, but I got there early, like the night before or early that morning. I can't remember, but I had a few hours to kill, and I went to Yaquina Head. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yaquina. I need to learn how to pronounce it if we're filming an episode, and we are. And I'm, you know, I'm screwing around. In the, I think it was a Saturday morning. It was whatever in summer, and you know, plenty of families out there already screwing around in the in the tide pools. And there's, you know, some visitor center stuff. I think it's BLM land. I'm not sure. And I'm up on the headlands, you know, doing my little walk and taking a few photos. And I get to this sign explaining the geology of the bedrock as I'm standing underneath this lighthouse at Yaquina Head, Newport, Oregon. And it says it's the ginkgo flow. And I'm like, are you shitting me? Sorry, Patrick. Up until that moment, I had no idea that the ginkgo flow, which is the dominant lava flow that's exposed right here in Ellensburg, more famously at a little town called Vantage, where there's Ginkgo Petrified Forest State Park. And there's pillows in the base of the Ginkgo, and yes, calling back to the beginning of this episode, there are petrified logs in the Ginkgo. 
and that ginkgo is found in Sand Hollow. If you know the pillow zone that's uh, uh, as you're driving from Vantage to Pullman, if you're on the east side of the Columbia and you get on to, is that 26? What is that? The road to Royal City and Othello. My God, I'm having a brain problem. I can't think of the number of the road. Uh, those pillows were, oh, let me put it this way. If you've seen a two-minute geology episode I filmed long ago with Tom Foster called Pillow Basalts, that's the ginkgo flow. The ginkgo is exposed in uh, plenty of places in central Washington. And here that same lava flow is at the Oregon coast, specifically at Yaquina Head, like the entire head, the entire uh, cliff of rock. All right. So what have I learned recently in my little scouting journeys? Like I got done with the last show, show Z of the A to, C's, A to C series, whoa, the A to Z series. And I think a couple days later, I just jumped in the car and started driving. And I went down to Goldendale-Bickleton area, the Bickleton Highway. And I was looking, I had some geologic maps and I had a couple tips from geologists by email. And I wanted to find some new exposures to me of the ginkgo flow. And I found them. There was one in particular that was gorgeous, right at the bottom of Rock Creek Canyon, which I think is an important place for Native Americans, but I don't know that for sure. But there's a there's a big longhouse down at the bottom down there, I noticed. I'd followed that all the way down to the Columbia. I took a photo and put it on my Facebook page, I guess all my social media whatevers, and the reaction to that photo was huge. Like, I think I even made it my cover photo on Facebook. People like that photo so much. But it was the ginkgo flow, the base of the ginkgo flow, without pillows there, which means the lava was not going into a lake there. There were no petrified logs there. But there were some kind of interesting swirly kind of colors in the base of the, the ginkgo flow there. And it was sitting directly on top of some arcosic sand, some, some sands of different compositions that all the geologists who have studied that area know and say is the Columbia River. Well, the Columbia River is not there. Columbia River today is not at Bickleton. But it used to be based on that exposure and many others. And so now we're realizing that the ginkgo flow is 16.1 million years ago following the Columbia River Valley at a time and a place where the Columbia River was placed differently than today. So I don't know. If I did this radio program with some foresight, uh, forethought and I actually wrote out the outline of this, which of course never happens on purpose, I would have started the episode where the Lava flow started and ended up where the lava flow ends at Newport. But no, this is more meandering. Ha ha. So I found that exposure. I got excited. I emailed Jewel and Brandon. I said, I got us a good spot. I got us a good spot. Nobody knows about this outcrop and there's no traffic on this road. And it's a, an amazing canyon. And Brandon can get some drone stuff of that valley, I'm sure. That's going to be an excellent spot for us, <coughs> excuse me, as we film in, in mid-March. And then I went to Columbia Hills State Park. 
across the river in Washington from the Dalles, Oregon? Have you been to Columbia Hill State Park? Have you been to a, a new portion of it called Crawford Oaks? Now, I'm fearful that if we have a beautiful spring day in a couple of weeks, there's going to be too many people and to get in the way of what we're trying to do. But the gorgeous part of that scene is that you can see Mount Hood in Oregon on the western horizon from eastern Washington by the Dalles, essentially. And that's important because it's ginkgo flow exposed there Horse Thief Butte, if you know it better that way. But as we look west to Mount Hood, here's the biggest moment of today. Very late. You ready? The Columbia River, 16 million years ago, took a shortcut from the Dalles to Newport, right underneath where Mount Hood stands today. I'll pause for dramatic effect. There's an old ghost valley that has now been filled by ginkgo flow and much, much younger cascade lavas, and like a cherry on top is a very young Mount Hood. But if we go back 16 million years ago, Mount Hood's not there. A bunch of the high cascades are not there. And we have the ginkgo flow connecting the dots, essentially, between the source back at Colotus, Washington. That's the source along the snake. That was a different scouting trip. So I find the, the source crack of the ginkgo at Colotus, K-A-H-O-L-O-T-U-S, uh, I guess, if you want, if you're, if you're curious, if you get on Google Maps and find Burr Canyon, B-U-R-R -R Canyon, that's the ginkgo flow. Or you can go to Bruce Bjornstad's, just go to YouTube and type in ginkgo feeder dike, and you'll find a little 10-minute uh, video, drone video by Bruce Bjornstad, who captured that ginkgo feeder dike quite well. Well, we're going to try to capture it with, with my little crew. That's the source of the ginkgo. It flows to Beckleton. The ginkgo continues 16.1 million years ago to the Dalles. But then it does not, the sexy part of the story is much of the ginkgo flow does not continue down the Columbia as we know it today. It follows an old Columbia Valley or something. It follows some major river from the Dells underneath present-day Mount Hood and dumps into the Pacific Ocean at Yaquina Head in the Newport, Oregon area. And what sold Ed on the episode, Daddy's excited now, what sold, what sold Ed on the episode is that I was following one thing and tying these incredible desert scenes in eastern Washington with this marine scene uh, at the central Oregon coast. One event tying all that, almost like the Ice Age floods, tie many things in the Pacific Northwest together. So back to the source of the ginkgo flow, that's in the middle of the Palouse. These rolling wheat fields, it's about as un-oceany as you can imagine today. And there's that crack, and here's this ginkgo lava coming out of it, this orange hot stuff, and it's going to stay molten for whatever it is, 150 miles. I need to look that up. 
Most geologists think there was a crust that was insulating the top to allow this stuff to stay molten. But the fact we can follow these ginkgo exposures from the Palouse Hills to the Oregon coast, I, in, in my brain at least, I, I think it will be an effective episode. And I'll try out working with Brandon and Jewel. And if it's a grand old time and I'm in total sync with those guys, then, and if they're excited, and, and eventually if, the, if it's a very popular episode or something, may, maybe they'll want to do more with me. But right now it's just me just, you know, saying, sure, I'll just show up and do what you guys want to do. I'm a guest and your little crew. But, uh, you know, no contracts or anything major. I'm just kind of doing it for fun. Okay, everybody, that's the Ginkgo Flow episode. It's been on my mind, and I'll be out filming it, and maybe the finished episode will be very different than what I just described, but those are at least the, the bones, the, the, the skeletal idea of how we're going to do that, filming at each of those spots. And then please uh, keep an eye on your feed here with the podcast stuff, and I'm hoping in the next few days to start uh, thinking more seriously about these downtown lectures and bouncing them ideas off of you, and possibly you'd have some feedback for me. That's enough for today. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this Ginkgo Flow episode. Thank you. I love you. And goodbye from Ellensburg, Washington, USA.